This is episode 26 of HD Reality. Today we are talking about relationships. Welcome to HD Reality with Courtney Cable. As a member of a Huntington's disease family and a certified life coach, I'm here to help you navigate the unique challenges of Huntington's disease. This podcast is dedicated to everyone affected by HD, including individuals with HD, their loved ones, and their care partners. Together, we'll explore practical mental and emotional tools to help you overcome the obstacles that arise with this diagnosis. Join me as we define our own HD reality. Keep listening and let the transformation begin. Sometimes we talk about, quote, the relationship or our relationship as if it's some abstract thing that just is what it is and we're just describing it. But a relationship with someone is just our thoughts about that person. It doesn't exist as something outside of us. There's not a relationship that we can go in and figure out and describe. It's just the summation of our thoughts about this person. That's why you can feel like you have a relationship with people who aren't even physically in your life, like movie or book characters, celebrities, and people who've passed on. Because as long as you can have thoughts about a person, you can have a relationship with them. And as long as we can manage our minds around those thoughts, we can create whatever relationship we want without having to rely on the other person changing their feelings or behaviors, which puts us in a really good position and is really, really good news. This is also why two people can feel very differently about the relationship between them. That's why it's possible to, quote, not be on the same page about a relationship. Because your relationship with them is your thoughts about them, and their relationship with you is their thoughts about you. They're two completely separate relationships, not one mutual shared relationship that's floating in the space somewhere between you and this other person. So say you believe that cheating ruins a romantic relationship, and your partner cheats on you, but you don't know about it. Then you find out about it, and you're heartbroken. So what really ruined the relationship there? Was it the cheating that ruined the relationship? Or was it you finding out about the cheating that ruined your relationship? Because the relationship wasn't ruined until you found out about the cheating. But we know intuitively that we're not going to start saying that finding out about the cheating is what ruins a relationship outside of the cheating itself. If the relationship was something outside of yourself, it should have been ruined as soon as they cheated on you. But it wasn't. Because your relationship with them is your thoughts about them. And your thoughts about them didn't change until you found out that they cheated on you. So that's kind of an extreme example, but it shows how it's the thoughts that are of the relationship rather than some bank, some invisible bank that we are pouring actions into that should just kind of exist outside of ourselves. And knowing that it's our thoughts about a person that create our relationship with that person and knowing that that means we can create the relationship that we want is really, really powerful information. But I also want to put a huge asterisk and say, please don't hear me saying that if you're in an abusive or unhealthy relationship, you should be able to just think your way out of it. When I say that you can create the relationship you want because your relationship with a person is just your thoughts about the person and we can work to choose our thoughts more intentionally, you might hear that and think that I'm suggesting that people who are unhappy in an abusive relationship just need to think differently about their partner and that will fix all of their suffering. If that's what I was saying, 
It almost sounds like I'm asking you to gaslight yourself into the perfect relationship, and I am not. The best thing I can say here is that in order to decide to change your thoughts about an abusive partner or an unhealthy relationship of any kind, you would have to override that part of you that deep down knows that this relationship isn't right for you. And to override that part of you, you would have to want to override that part of you. So yes, you could technically think yourself or gaslight yourself out of feeling miserable in an abusive relationship, but you wouldn't really be able to do that when you were staying in integrity with yourself. Because I don't think most people who find themselves in this type of abusive or unhealthy situation want to override that part of themselves that's telling them that this isn't right. You'd have to go against so many truths you know in order to have positive thoughts about someone who is truly hurting you. You would have to start thinking things like, physical abuse is good for me, or they show me that they love me by insulting me. Things like that that I'm pretty sure just aren't going to sit right, and you aren't going to be able to ignore the fact that it's just it just is wrong, and you, you have to stay in integrity with yourself. So this isn't about tricking yourself into being happy in unhealthy relationships. If what you would have to think about this person in order to be content in the relationship goes against what you know deep down to be true and right and good, then it might be a relationship you want to reconsider. So that's my big asterisk for unhealthy relationships. But what makes a healthy relationship? And how can we use the knowledge that a relationship lives in our thoughts, people, to do our part in creating wonderful, fulfilling relationships in our lives. And I'm sure you can find lots of books and articles that list out the attributes of healthy relationships. But from all of those lists, I saw three main categories. The first category is words like honesty, trust, integrity, authenticity. All of those words and characteristics that sum up the idea of seeing and being seen. It's taking the time and curiosity to see someone as they truly are, as well as allowing yourself to be truly seen by this other person. We have that vulnerability. We have the authenticity. We're acting in integrity. We're not putting up a front. We don't want to try to have a relationship with someone when we aren't sure if this person is even real. If the person they're showing you is made up, then that's a hard person to be in a relationship with. And we also don't want to have a relationship with someone who we don't feel safe enough being our true selves with in order to show that. So if we're in a relationship with someone and we know deep down that they haven't even seen the real us, then that's a really hard relationship to build. And in this episode, I'm not going to get into what it really means to be your true self, but we can really feel it when it's not there. Because you feel like you're putting on an act and then you're wondering if the other person that you're trying to have a relationship with might also be putting on an act. It's really hard for that kind of relationship to continue forward because it just feels like, well, where do we go from here? We've both created these made up characters and we're like role playing them. How long do we keep this up? But it's that vulnerability of seeing us as we truly are and seeing them as they truly are that creates the foundation of really healthy relationships. So where do our thoughts come into play here? Our thoughts come into play when we remember that trust is a choice. We make a choice to trust people. We usually make this choice based on evidence that we've collected about whether or not this person is trustworthy, but at the end of the day, it is a choice. 
I see this free up a lot of energy for me when I just believe that everyone is on the inside, whatever they're presenting to me, because it's so much less work that way. I don't have to try to read tea leaves or play detective about who I think they really are on the inside using all this evidence about what they want me to think they are. It's just a tiresome game to play. Believing that your relationship has honesty requires that you believe what they say. So if they tell you that they love you, you have to believe them. Because if you don't believe that they love you when they say they do, it doesn't matter what else they do, what else they say, or how they treat you. That trust is a choice, and we can use our intentional thoughts to make that choice and create that honesty and authenticity between us. We can just decide that they are who they say they are. Because really, how could we find out for sure if they weren't? It's always just a guess. And we can just let go of that suspicion, and it's so much lighter. It's a lot easier to do this and to let go of that doubt we have of others' authenticity when we ourselves are more comfortable showing our true selves. If we're walking around showing fake sides of ourselves all the time, it's really easy to believe that other people are doing the same thing. So... With your loved one who has Huntington's disease, if you find yourself twisting and tweaking the truth and changing what you're saying to the point where you feel out of integrity with yourself, it's going to be a lot easier to think that they might be doing the same thing to you and they might also be trying to manipulate you. And that can really taint a relationship when we lose that trust in each other's integrity. Another good thought I try to keep in my relationships, whether they're big or small relationships, is that people will always do what they feel in the moment is their best move. This keeps me from spiraling in my head about why people do certain things and judgments about if they really ought to know better and they really should have considered how I would feel about this. If I just say, you know what, for whatever reason, they decided that was their best move at that time. And if I'm genuinely curious from a non-judgmental place, wanting to understand their reasons, maybe I'll ask them. And if they don't want to have that conversation, then that was another decision they're making that they feel is their best move at that moment. This can really come in handy in our relationships, especially in our relationships with our loved ones with Huntington's disease. Because let's face it, looking at some of the things they do and say with honest curiosity, they're downright fascinating. (laughs) And we don't always get answers about why they do what they do, because honestly, they probably don't know for themselves. We don't understand the changes that happen in the mind with HD, but I imagine it's very confusing and sometimes really scary to be the one in that mind. So when we're just taking the input they give us without covering it with our own judgment and assumptions, we can maintain that feeling of authenticity in our relationships with our loved ones. Maybe it looks like saying, wow, I really wonder how you came to that decision. Believing what I choose to believe about you, which might be that you love me and respect me, I wonder what must be going on for you that made this the best choice for you at that time. Instead of jumping into judgment about their character and that they only care about themselves now and they don't ever think about how this will impact me, right? Curiosity instead of assumptions and judgments allow us to continue to be open to the honest self they're showing us and having a relationship with them instead of creating a hypothetical version of them in our minds that we're now having a negative relationship with. Keep in mind also that your brain is constantly on the alert for danger, including social danger. And when we let our minds run wild making a character sketch of a person who's close to us, and remember the people who are closest to us, our brain's 
see as higher threat because they're kind of within striking distance, right? When we let our minds run wild with that character sketch, our subconscious is going to be super cued in to the things that might be a threat like, oh, they might be hiding something. They don't actually love me. They're just saying that. Maybe they have ulterior motives. So keep an eye out for that and know that that's the direction your subconscious is going to try and push for and be extra sensitive to. And we're going to have to be really, really intentional about staying in curiosity and looking for the honest truth that they're giving us. So that's that first clump of attributes that create a healthy relationship is that foundation of honesty, trust, integrity, authenticity, vulnerability, all of those things about truly seeing the other person and allowing the other person to truly see you. The second group of attributes I kind of see as the feelings that result from truly seeing and being seen. So that's the love, the loyalty, respect, adoration. Now that you've truly seen this person, you're choosing to honor and respect what you see. This is where you start thinking all those lovely thoughts like, oh, they're so wonderful. They're a perfect person for me, whether that's friend, family member, partner, coworker, or even grocery checkout attendant. They're just the perfect person to be filling this role in my life. It's also about wanting good things for this person, wishing them well, and having joy in their successes. And this comes from understanding and believing that their success and joy doesn't take away from your potential for success and joy. And that people don't deserve or earn good things that happen to us. So there's no need for us to make judgments on their character to see whether or not they deserve the happiness we think they have. But what if you feel like you've truly seen someone and you don't love what you see? Philosophically, I don't actually think that's possible. I think it's impossible to perfectly understand a person, their desires, motivations, insecurities, fears, dreams, talents, and not have love for them. I also have the belief that everyone is lovable for that reason, because everyone is perfectly knowable, so everyone is perfectly lovable. But we don't often perfectly understand a person, so it's natural to feel like you don't yet have love for someone, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to devote all of your energy to trying to know them perfectly so that you can love them. I just like going in knowing that if I did know them perfectly, I would love them. That way I can love them just on the basis that I know that they're lovable without necessarily trying to understand someone perfectly because I don't think that's something that's very achievable. I also want to say that loving someone and wanting to interact with them to a certain degree is very different. If I can love you best by only talking once a month, then that's the relationship I'm going to pursue. Just because I love you doesn't mean I want to necessarily live together or spend every waking moment with you. We know we can be hurt by people we love. Most of us know this from sad experience. This means that love and harm can coexist. They're not mutually exclusive. So loving someone doesn't necessitate spending every minute of the day with someone. Certain levels of interaction might actually be harmful to you in some way, regardless of your love for this person. Sometimes it's safer to love someone from far away, and that's okay. And we can adjust the amount and type of interactions we have with people through requests that we make of them and boundaries we set, all while maintaining that love for them. All of those decisions on creating the kinds and amounts of interaction you have with them can all be made with love. The other characteristics and attributes that I saw listed in healthy relationships fell into this third category where it was identifying some actions and behaviors that tend to be present in what most people 
would say is a fulfilling relationship. So things like being supportive of each other, kindness, showing affection, positive communication. These are the actions that naturally flow from those second group, the feelings of love, loyalty, and respect. And these are much more individual. It's like a love language. So if you want to know what that is for you, when you're filled with love, what are you driven to do? Do you make food for this person? Do you give them gifts? Do you spend quality time? And then on the flip side, what behaviors make it easier for you to believe that you are loved by the other person? And you can communicate those things without necessarily needing a certain response from them in order to be happy. You can make those requests. You can say, hey, it'd be easier for me to feel loved if you did this, but I'm still going to find a way to create the life I want even if you don't fulfill that request. And all of these three things, the seeing and being seen, the feelings of love and respect, and then the behaviors that flow from that, it's all a cycle. Because when you see someone, you know someone, you're more likely to love them. So you're naturally more open and honest with them, which provides more opportunity for you to see each other, creating more love, etc. And it just goes on and on and on. So those are the three groups of those are the three groups of attributes or characteristics of healthy relationships. And I want to take a minute here to talk about reciprocation. What do you do? What do we do when we feel like we're giving all of this honesty, openness, love, and support to this person, but we're not getting anything back from them? How about a scenario where you have the belief that your HD loved one is no longer capable of love? So you feel like you're giving and giving and giving and you're not getting anything back. That can go a few different ways. You can think, wow, I wonder what that's like for them to not be able to experience love the way I can. I'm going to love them anyways. Or you can think, well, then I'm not going to waste my love on them if I'm not going to get any love in return. Now, I want to go through four fairly broad situations and scenarios that you might find yourself in where this knowledge of the idea of relationships being our thoughts about the other person can really, really come in handy and totally change the dynamic. Number one is when someone we love passes away. This is my favorite application of this idea that relationships are simply our thoughts about another person because when someone we love dies, it doesn't mean that our relationship with them does too. The relationship doesn't rely on the other person interacting with you or even existing at all. So no matter what you believe about an afterlife, if you want to continue a relationship with someone who's passed away, you totally can. And that's, that's just so beautiful to me. A relationship with them is as available to you as any other string of words you could connect in your mind because all you need are thoughts about them. All you need to maintain that relationship is sentences in your brain. The problem is that when someone passes away, our thoughts around them tend to cause painful feelings. So the natural response is to go from a great relationship with them when they were alive to a painful relationship when they pass. And then our subconscious solution to that pain is often to dissolve the relationship entirely by no longer thinking about them at all. Why is that? I'm not going to claim to have all the answers, but I think it's because the thoughts we're having after they've passed on are typically very different thoughts than the ones we had when they were alive. When they were alive, we thought things like, wow, I love them so much. They're so wonderful in all these ways. I admire them for these reasons. I love spending time with them for these reasons, etc. But when they pass, it can become, I can't be happy without them. I miss them. I'm missing out on experiencing these things with them. They didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve this. 
there's a sense of no longer focusing on the attributes and the person themselves and, and turning it instead to focusing on the situation and the pain of it and reasons why it's devastating. And that is not selfish. It is 200% understandable and appropriate, especially when we're in the active grieving process. But once we've kind of made our way out of that, something we can do is to very purposely place reminders of people who've passed away and train our minds to create those positive thoughts around them. That way we keep that wonderful relationship. Because those thoughts you were thinking before they passed, like, wow, I love them so much. They're so wonderful in these ways. I admire them for these reasons. I love spending time with them for these reasons. None of that needs to change. That can all still be true for you and you can still focus on those thoughts. And thinking those thoughts can create a beautiful relationship with someone even after they've passed on. And I want to emphasize again that this is a separate journey that happens alongside the mourning process and after the mourning process. So I'm not trying to oversimplify grieving or invalidate the intense pain that can come with the passing of someone we love. This is just meant to be a ray of hope through that journey that you can continue the relationships beyond the grave if you want them. And that doing so does not have to be painful forever. Second scenario we can use this information is when a relationship feels hard. And if you've been listening to my previous episodes, this is going to feel fairly straightforward. First, we're going to start by asking ourselves why this relationship feels hard. Whatever answer you have for that question is going to be a thought. It's going to be a belief that you have about yourself, about the other person, about the concept of the relationship between you, about the past, or about the future. Now that we've identified the thought, we have that same old situation that we've gone through a couple times here on the podcast where we want to see if this thought or belief is serving you. If it is, we keep it. If it isn't, we question it. We look at what it creates in our lives and we decide if we want to hold on to that or switch things up. Is this belief true? If it is true, maybe what else is true? Maybe there's some other simultaneous truth that I'm ignoring right now that would help me feel better about the situation as a whole? Is there any evidence to the contrary that I might be missing out on because I'm holding on to this belief so firmly? What action is this thought driving me towards as far as the relationship? Is it making me want to distance myself or make changes in some way? And what reasons might I be holding on to at the same time that are keeping me from taking that action? Look at all of those reasons and decide which one feels the most true to you. There's a saying that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So sometimes the loudest person wins the argument over the person who's right, and we don't want to let that happen in our minds. If there's a thought that's very loud, that this relationship is hard, this relationship is hard for these reasons, dig down deeper and make sure you also listen to the quiet ones that might be holding you back from taking that action to end the relationship. What are those reasons? Are they valid? Which ones feel more true to you? Third situation is when we feel like there are changes in the relationship. How can knowing that a relationship with a person is simply our thoughts about them help us maintain a wonderful relationship with our loved ones who have HD throughout the physical and mental changes that come with Huntington's disease? When we feel like a relationship is changing, like it doesn't look the way it used to or feel the way it used to, part of that's going to come from the actions. We don't behave the way we used to. And some of it is going to be the feelings part of it. Everything looks the same on the outside, but we feel differently now. When we're having a relationship with someone who has Huntington's disease and their disease is progressing, it's more than likely the first one where the behaviors are changing, 
things look different, things are changing around us. This is where it's super important to remember that our relationship with them is simply our thoughts about them. Everything about them could change, but as long as we have thoughts about them that create those positive feelings where we're being seen and seeing the other person and we're loving and respecting and we're doing the things that are fueled by those feelings, we can hold on to that even if everything about them changes. Going back to the idea of reciprocation, sometimes it's really, really hard to have deep love for someone who you don't believe loves you in return. When we think the way this person feels about us is changing from what it used to be and what we would like it to be, it can be really difficult. But changing your perspective about what a relationship is can really help here because if the relationship was something that was between you two that you were both creating together that you could hold in between your two selves and they are changing on the other side of that it would feel like that relationship is also changing as a result and there would be nothing you could do but knowing that your relationship with this person is all in your possession means you can make it whatever you want no matter what happens on the other side And again, this is not about gaslighting yourself into believing that you're in a safe situation when you're not in a safe situation. Don't silence your intuition. This is just once we've decided we want to stay in a relationship and we want to build this relationship, these are the tools we can use to do that. Last but not least, let's talk about the fourth scenario, which is the times when a relationship is wonderful. How can this knowledge help us during the times when our relationship feels perfect? When we believe that a relationship is something external, even during the good times, we can have this background fear that things might take a turn for the worse. This comes from that same idea that you're believing that the relationship is largely out of your control because it's outside of you. Understanding the nature of a relationship and that it is our thoughts about a person and therefore understanding our role in creating that relationship to be whatever it is can give us more confidence and security during the good times that we know how to keep it good as long as it's safe for us to do so. I hope this helps and I will talk to you then. Did you know that I'm offering mini coaching sessions completely free? Go to helpforthecaregiver.com to schedule one now. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your communities, spreading the power of these tools to more people. Find me on Instagram or Facebook at Courtney Cable Coaching for ongoing interaction, valuable content, and additional resources. For personalized support, visit my website to view my affordable coaching programs or to schedule a free mini coaching session or consultation call. Thank you for joining HD Reality, and I can't wait for our next conversation.